The message we look at today in Hebrews, taken from uh, the second half of Hebrews 10, is written to a, a group of people who are under the pressure of persecution. Probably written around 65 uh, to 70 AD. Nero uh, died in AD 68. So this was right at the end of his life when he was at his most brutal. When you read of some of the persecution of those days, um, it will make you weep from the deepest part of your emotions. The way in which brothers and sisters in Christ were taken and used as beacons to light his pleasure grounds simply because of their love of Jesus. Now we see persecution like that today in certain parts of the world. We have some friends who plant churches in closed countries where Christianity is uh, banned, where you face death if you proclaim that you love Jesus Christ. And yet I want to tell you and encourage you in the places where um, persecution is at its highest. The gospel is advancing at an incredible rate. You see, the darkness will never overcome the light. Never. For we have a God who is faithful and true and will set the captives free. As I said, uh, Nero was at his worst. And as the writer to the Hebrews had begun to write, some people had begun to drift back to Judaism, to drift back to old ways because of the persecution. Some people had drifted away completely and had sold out. It was far easier not to face the persecution to go along with society. I want to tell you that's true today. We might not uh, face uh, death at the moment for what we believe. But I want to say that when the going gets tough, the tough get going. And those who uh, cannot stand in the persecution, it's much easier to run away and go along with the way in which everybody else lives. That had begun to happen uh, amongst the Hebrew people. And here we have in this passage, it splits nicely into three. You see, being a good Baptist Welsh preacher, I always have three points or three headings. But first of all, there's encouragement. Secondly, there's a warning. And finally, to end the passage, there's exhortation towards faithfulness, towards perseverance. Let's read this passage together. I want to warn you as well, um, I've been given a certain amount of time, 
Last time I preached this passage, it took me five Sundays. Okay? So lock the doors. It's going to be a late night. No, I, I, hopefully I'll, I'll get through it. We'll get through it. Okay. Let's read together. Uh, chapter 10, verse 19. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened uh, for us through the curtain, that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as we see the day approaching. If we deliberately keep on sinning, after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Anyone who rejected the law of Moses died without mercy on the testament of two or three witnesses. How much more severely do you think someone deserves to be punished who has trampled the Son of God underfoot or who has treated as unholy, uh, sorry, who has treated as an unholy thing the blood of the covenant that sanctified them and who has insulted the Spirit of grace? For we know him who said, It is mine to avenge. I will repay, and again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Remember those earlier days, after you had received the light, when you endured in a great conflict, full of suffering. Sometimes you were publicly ex exposed to insult and persecution. At other times you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You suffered along with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that yourselves had a better and lasting possessions. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere. So that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. And by my righteous, by my righteous one will live by faith. And I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. But we do not belong to those who shrink back and, is, and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. But we are not those who will shrink back. <laughs> but we are not those who will shrink back. When people are under pressure 
I don't know if you've noticed, but often people want somewhere to run. Maybe you've experienced this yourself. Unfortunately, some people run to drugs, run to alcohol, run to TV. Some people even run to pornography. Even God's people, even those who have experienced the presence of God. When pressure comes, sometimes instead of running to the Father, we'll run in the opposite direction. I, I, I never understand this. In 30 plus years of church leadership, the number of people that I've encountered who as soon as trouble hits, run away. One of the first signs of someone going cold, of someone finding and running somewhere else, is that they begin to back off from fellowship. They do exactly what powers of darkness would want them to do. Break fellowship with our brothers and sisters. Notice how the writer to Hebrews begins there by using the term brothers and sisters, a family term. Brothers and sisters. And then he talks about the relationship that you and I can have with our Father. You see, Christ died so that mankind could have relationship with Father God. That's what it's about, relationship. It's about a relationship with a father. Who, when we were sinners, couldn't look upon us. Why? Because of the sin that covered us. But because of Christ, we can now come directly into the presence of Creator, Father God. Did you know that? Wherever we are, we can come directly into the presence of God. The God of gods. The one above all others. We have access. Why run in another direction? We can come directly into His presence because of Christ's suffering on the cross. The scripture we just read talks about Christ's body being the curtain that we can enter the Holy of Holies in through. Now, scripture tells us that when Christ was crucified, what happened? Well, that the curtain in the temple, the curtain of separation, was split in two. Meaning that you and I now can go into the presence of God and ask Him whatever we wish because of Christ. You see, Christ's body was broken so that we could have access to God. Oh, church. Why aren't you stood on your chairs shouting and 
jumping around in excitement instead of... British Christians frustrate me sometimes. I have to be honest. We go mad at football matches and rugby games, jumping up and down, shouting and singing, when we discover we have access into the presence of Creator God, we sit there as if we're watching EastEnders. (laughs) This is exciting stuff, guys. Now there's more. Can there be more, Brian? There is definitely more. Not only that, we just read that our hearts have been sprinkled by Christ's blood. This is powerful. Why? Well, in the Old Testament, how was the forgiving of sins brought? Through the sacrifice, the priest went along, dipped a hyssop branch into the blood of the sacrificial lamb and sprinkled it at the people. Bit of a messy scene but sprinkled it at the people so that the blood began to cover the sin of the heart and the sin of the people. Now, in the passage, uh, it says, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience. Heart? Conscience? What does all that mean? Well, during the time this was written, people thought in slightly a different way. Are you aware of this? People, uh, the conscience wasn't there. The conscience was there in the heart, where we thought was in the heart. Center of emotion was lower down in the gut. People felt emotion. We had that feeling. Deep in, like somebody sometimes drops a lead balloon in, deep down in there or a brick, and you go, oh, there's a center of emotion there. But this is where the conscience was set, and the mind, your mind, sprinkled by the blood of the Lamb, cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. Also, it goes on to say as well that the body has been washed clean by pure water, clean. Mum and Dad, when I was, am I all right still going? Okay, I've got plenty of time. Good. When I was a boy, uh, mum would, would be the one generally shout, come on, tea's ready. And being the shape and size I am, you can tell, I enjoyed my tea. I enjoyed my food. And they said, come on, tea's ready. Ah! Hands clean, son? Oh, not bad. They check. See if my hands were clean. Okay? I just think the Holy Spirit wants to speak that to you this afternoon. It's as if Father's saying, come on, I want you to sit at my table. I want you to come and sit at my table and enjoy all the things I have for you. And we can come before him, you know, and we can say, Dad, my hands are clean. Washed clean. I'm, I'm ready to eat. And there's something even more, uh, even more great. Dear me, there's a bit of transferred Welsh there. But, um, there's something even greater. 
Do you know, many of us walk around day after day like this. Our heads bowed. You are royalty, by the way. How, do the royal, how does royalty walk? Heads raised high. What is it that bows us spiritually? Shame. Shame. I want to tell you this morning that you have been washed clean. By the Spirit of God, you do not need to walk in shame. If you have repent, given your life to Christ and repented, and that's an important word, you can stand before the Father and you can gaze. Father, oh, I'm ready. That awaits us. Why do we run in the opposite direction? Why do we run back into the fire? Back to the days when we were caught in captivity. When we had no choice but to sin. We can come into the presence of the living God right now because of what Christ has achieved. Don't run in the opposite direction. We're called to meet together. Look, uh, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some in the habit of doing. But encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. To encourage one another. Do you know, it's so sad sometimes when we're traveling around and we visit fellowships and this, you enter into a room and you sometimes can feel something. There's a friction there. You see, we're called to encourage one another and spur one another on. It's meant to be like this. Come on. You can do it. Come on, Owen. You can get there. Come on, oh, that was great today. Those new words that you've written and penned down in there, loved it. The way you danced before God, the way you cried out to Him, I was such an encouragement. But so often, so often, we do exactly what Paul warns us about in his letter to the Thessalonians, and we consume each other by backbiting. I'm sure I've been ad for Sunday lunch on many occasions. If you know what I mean. Oh, wasn't that sermon today? Oh my goodness, what a load of rubbish. I think we might pop down the one down the road the other week. Next week. Oh, the worship, did you get anything from it? Oh. So often we run one another down. I came off Facebook about four years ago, I think, or longer ago. Why? Because of the rubbish that believers were writing about one another on it. What are we meant to do? Meet together to do what? 
Yes, worship and praise God primarily, but also to encourage one another. Not run one another down and backbite. Oh. And all the more, as you see the days approaching, I don't know how long I've been going, but I'm all right. Paul says to Tim, writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, and grateful and holy without love and forgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. I have nothing to do with such people. That's a warning, boy. And some of the things that Paul talks about there are surely days that we live in now, in these last days. We see it. We see it. And we're not asked or told to compromise with it. Brothers and sisters, let's not stop meeting together. Encourage one another. And all the more as we see the day approaching. Now we come to the warning bit. And I'm not going to go through this word for word. I, I just want to demonstrate the powerful picture that is there. If we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice is left for our sins. I love the grace of God. I, I mean, I really love the grace of God. I really love it. But sometimes, the grace of God can be cheapened. You see, like I said at the beginning, before we were saved, we had no choice. We were captive to sin. But because of Christ, He has provided us a way out. We no longer have to sin. Before we were saved, we had no choice. Now we have a choice. I remember listening to... Um, one of my heroes in the faith, uh, Terry Virgo, some years ago, saying, God gives us the grace to say no. We are empowered by the Spirit of God to say no. You're no longer in captivity. You can have a way out. And it's very simple. No. Repentance is a word that we've forgotten. Do you know, sometimes I... This is not criticism, okay? It's just observation. Something I've experienced painfully myself in some of the people that we've seen saved. You know, so often we preach a message that is so far away from the way in which Scripture was preached at one time. And it's a message of come to Jesus 
everything will be okay. Come and get on the glory train. Whoopee. And we miss repentance. When we hear Peter speaking at the day of Pentecost, at the beginning of the season of Pentecost, it says that when he talked about Jesus and told them who it was they'd crucified, the people were what? Dancing and overjoyed? What does it say? Do you know that scripture? They were cut to the heart. And they said, what do we need to do to be saved? There's a cutting to the heart as the Holy Spirit should help us to recognize what it is we are being saved from. There's a grieving for sin. We experience, my wife and I, real, uh, and I would say, true revival when we visited several times to Pensacola in Florida back in the 90s. And I will never forget the, mo the moaning and groaning and travail for the forgiveness of sins as people were getting saved. No cheap grace there. They recognized the cost. God gives you the grace to say, no, I will not do that. And he gives you the power to resist by the Holy Spirit out of the love that he has for us and you and I should have for him. Do you know what we do when we treat the cross with contempt? Like the Hebrews tells us. We trample underfoot the Son of God. Now, the Greek picture here is very, very forceful. It's a powerful picture. Don't you hate it when preachers say in the Greek it says this? But this is a powerful picture. It's as if Christ is on the cross there in front of me. I am deliberately sinning. Okay, I mean deliberate sin. Not just the sin that I will do because I'm human flesh, but deliberate, willful sin when we know what the truth is. This is what the picture paints. Cross of Christ. Trampling on the crucified body of Christ. That's what we do when we know what the truth is. It's a powerful, powerful picture. And it's the picture that the writer to the Hebrews wanted to paint, to say to people, hey, be warned. Do you know what you're doing? Because Satan will want to just simply say, Oh, it won't matter. He's a loving God. Don't worry about it. Don't worry. You'll be all right. You'll be okay. 
That's heavy. It's a heavy picture. It is mine to avenge, I will repay, and again the Lord will judge his people. It is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. God is love, yes. I believe that. God is a God full of grace, yes. I believe that. But he will not be mocked. He will not be mocked. Remember, he's a holy God. And he will not be mocked. Let that be a warning to each one of us this afternoon. As much as the encouragement was at the beginning, but also a warning. Let us not treat him lightly. Lastly, we come to this exhortation. To persevere. To hold on. These are, again, are powerful, forceful words. Hold on. Stand with one another like you did. Remember those days of persecution. Let me give you a quick example of this and what this means. Some years ago, some uh, friends of mine went uh, a couple, for a couple of months to uh, work with the underground church in China at the time when there was great persecution there for believers. And they were led to one meeting in a forest clearing. And uh, everyone there was weeping. And the sound of moaning and crying and just an incredible sound, my friend said. And so they said to the interpreter and the pastor, what's going on here? And they said, oh, some of their number have been arrested today. And so my friend said, oh, was that because um, they're, they're crying because of the pain of missing him? And this pastor apparently looked at them all confused. And he said, oh, no. Oh, no. They're repenting. And my friend said, why? Well, because they want to know what's wrong in their lives because they're not getting the honor of being arrested for the gospel. Eh? That's what it means to stand, you know, that's standing together. Standing together, you know, will often be hard and painful. But that's what we're called to do as the family of God, to stand together, to stand with each other. Those who weep, to pick up each other when we fall, to watch each other's backs, Not to stab one another in the back at the first opportunity, but to watch each other's backs, to encourage, and to say, I am for you. In our last church, we um, would covenant as members. We would covenant together. 
And part of it would be everyone would stand and we say, see, look, we stand with you. We stand with you. I stand alongside you. You need to know that when you fall, your neighbor will pick you up and lead you back and say, come on. Come on, you, you don't want to get into that again. Don't get, don't get into that. Come on. Come on, you can, you can do better. Don't fall again. Come on now, come with me. Let's walk together. Let's walk together. Don't shrink back from what you've been called to. Church, don't shrink back to what you've been called to. Foundation Church. You see, times will get harder. But don't shrink back. Hold on everything within you by the power of the Holy Spirit. For we have a God above other gods. Because of our Jesus, we have access to this God. Warn one another when we can see a brother or a sister slipping, sliding, going back into old ways. Warn one another of what it is we can lose. Warn one another. Hold on. Press in. You see, guys, I want to be able to say, I am not one of those who will shrink back. I want to press in deeper. Because Foundation Church, there is more. There is more. Let's pray. Father, we bless you. We honor you. We glorify you. And Lord, if any of us here this afternoon at the moment is struggling, is thinking of stepping back, is thinking of shrinking away. Holy Spirit, speak to their hearts right now. Speak to their hearts. And if you are struggling, maybe there's an area of sin that you know, you, you really do know, that you're battling with. Come to the Father this afternoon, repent, put it right, keep a short account. Stand with a brother or a sister and say, hey, hey, please, I'm struggling. Can you pray with me? Holy Spirit, be about your work as we break bread together. And as we drink, break the chains of captivity, whether it's sickness, sin, oppression, depression. Holy Spirit, come and break the chains. Set the captives free. Let it be so, God. Let it be so. Amen. Amen.